Welcome, I'm Crystal Cotto Sullivan, Wisdomologist and your host of Journey to Inner Wisdom. As a Wisdomologist, I guide and coach women on their journey to finding their magic, discovering limiting beliefs, uncovering blind spots, and creating breakthroughs in their lives. We work on awareness, beliefs, and curiosity cycle to uncover their hidden treasure. I've been talking about the many facets of the journey to inner wisdom. This journey takes many turns and there are sometimes detours, invitations, forks in the road. Sometimes we're prepared and sometimes we have to make some tough choices in order to move on. And sometimes we just fall asleep and miss out. So awareness and being aware and awake is critical. My guests each have a different journey. They use different tools that they've found to assist that journey. They have different gifts and different magic. I hope by their sharing their journey and their magic, you will be inspired to continue to pursue your journey to increase your awareness and boldly embrace the opportunities that present themselves to you. I hope you will join me on this adventure. Today, I'm excited to be having a conversation with Jillian Andrews, writer and woman on a journey. Welcome, Jillian. Thank you. It's really nice to be here this morning. Great. It's great to have you. Let me tell you a little bit about Jillian. Jillian is, like the heroine of her book, Gift of the Loon, is pri she's primarily a woman attempting to find her way in her chosen field. She has long questioned what it means to be a successful writer. An experienced canoeist and hiker, Jillian visited the locations where Gift of the Loon takes place to experience their natural beauty firsthand. Stopping at nothing to research her writing, Jillian has even taken art classes to gain an understanding of what it feels like to hold a paintbrush, how to use a palette knife, and how to experiment with color. Jillian lives in Chatham, Ontario. Canada with her husband and two children who are both writers. So welcome again, Jillian. Thank you very much. So I'm excited um, to talk to you today about your writing and um, your books and um, tell us a little bit about how you got started as a writer. Well, writing has always been a part of my life for a very long time. Um, I think my very first memory is probably high school. I remember being in the English class and really enjoying writing. And um, I also used to write little stories for my friends, little romances that I'd share at sleepovers. And, um, and I've always uh, been a journaler. I always like to write down my thoughts. And then um, I've been, years went by and I was working at the library and I decided to stay home with my children, but I, I also knew that I wanted to do something more. And I got this idea for a story and with a, a romance mm -hmm. and uh, I started writing it. And at that time there were no computers, so that's a long time ago. And so I had to do it by hand. And so every Thursday night I would take the time for my family and I would just start writing. And as I was writing, um, I used to start getting a Writer's Digest magazine. Mm -hmm. And in the magazine, there were always some advertisements to take writing courses. <clears throat> but there was this one with um, a company called NRI um, in Washington, DC, that really got me excited. I knew that I had to take this course. And we didn't have a lot of money at the time. But I talked to my husband and um, we, we figured it out that we could just pay a little bit of time to take this writing course. 
the best thing I did for myself. It took me two years, but it gave me confidence and it broke down the writing process for me. And I've been writing on and off ever since. And um, writing sometimes kind of gets away from me, but it always calls me back. And I feel like writing is um, a calling. It's not, it's not mm. a job. It's just something you have to do, otherwise you're not happy. At least that's been my experience. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like the, the writing course was really um, something that, that pushed you forward in your writing. It absolutely did. Yeah, it gave me a lot of confidence. And it was kind of scary at first because you're looking at different aspects of the writing process and you're trying to pull them all together and you're just like, oh my God, like this is just too much. But over time, it just becomes an actual part of your process. You just know what is needed to to write the story. It's all there. And um, after I, I wrote my first book, once again, um, it boosted me to a new level of uh, confidence. So when I read, I've been told that my second book, Gift of the Loom, they say people see a huge improvement. And I think that might be because in that book, um, because I was writing historical fiction, it was new for me, it was kind of scary. So mm -hmm. after about 60 pages in, I, um, I was stuck. I was like, because I was so scared to move forward, mm -hmm. I didn't want to do the wrong thing. I thought, what can I put in historical fiction that's acceptable? What can I make up? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up uh, getting in contact with um, a writer, Don Gilmore, who's mm -hmm. a, a very well-known writer. He wrote uh, Canada, A People's History. He's one of those writers. And To the River won awards, in fact. I, I got in touch with him. And I, you know, and I figured, what have I got to lose? If he says no, I, you know, I've lost nothing. But sure. he said yeah, which scared me to death. So <laughs> now I had to travel to Toronto. And he said, oh, come, come next week, come this morning. So I traveled to Toronto on the train, stayed overnight, and I had to get through the subway system, which scares me to death. But <laughs> I really needed his help, right? <laughs> so uh, well, I spent the morning with him. And I shared his writing process, some books that he suggested. And, you know, I never had any trouble at all after that. I just plowed through and um, and uh, it went really well after that. And one of the most important things I think he taught me, because I was in Gifted Alone, there's a famous person, Tom Thompson, who is a famous Canadian artist from mm -hmm. early 1900s, who was mm -hmm. part of the well, it wasn't exactly part of the group of seven, but he knew that those uh, artists. Mm -hmm. And But one thing he said, if you want to get right about a character like that, the best thing to do is to read the letters. Now, oh. that's something we don't have available to us nowadays. But in those days, people wrote a lot of letters. Sure. So he wrote his letters, and you get a, a feel for what kind of person he was. And so I got to a point where I, I just had to take the plunge and just write him. And it was so much fun huh. to huh. do that, and uh, and so I play, and so he needed um, another character um, to play off him, and so um, it's where our main character in the story of Gift of the Loon, um, Margaret um, Harrison, she's a, a young woman in the early 1900s who wants to find a place in the art world at the time, and so she has to be um, unusual. You know, she has to be willing to push the boundaries at that time mm -hmm. period where women 
was mm -hmm. supposed to stay in uh, at home and take mm -hmm. care of the kids and the husband, but she wanted more than that. So this was a perfect person to play out Tom. And I'll be illustrating that later um, in a scene that I'm going to read to you uh, from Gift of the Loon, so you'll get an idea of who she is. Cool. Well, it's interesting the way that you're presenting this, because sometimes, and I think I've fallen into this trap, we think about writers and we think that, um, you know, it kind of just all flows and it all comes mm -hmm. together. But as with any craft or any skill, there's a learning process to it, Absolutely. isn't there? Yeah. 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 And so, so, you know, if someone is wanting to write or just feels compelled that there's something they want to write, what advice would you give them? Well, definitely to take a course. I mean, it really helped me to know what I was doing. Uh -huh. I mean, of course, that's not for everybody. Some people, I know writers who just dive in have done very well for, them, for themselves. But for me, taking a course um, helped a great deal. And also being a reader, an mm -hmm. avid reader of all kinds of books. Um, and I think reading biographies, so you, you know, when you're creating your characters, you get an idea of the different types of people and what um, happened in their lives to make them who they are and what motivated them. And I think being a people watcher, you know, observe. Mm. Next time you go to Tim Hortons, take a pen and paper. And this is something I used to do. Sit down, take a pen and paper, and I would just watch people and I'd wonder, hmm, what's that person's life like? And I would write, <laughs> write about that. Or something else they suggest too is listening in on conversations which I uh, can't do because right. of the hearing loss, but, right. um, <laughs> but it's interesting, yeah, to be aware. And also, um, you know, people in your life who have different jobs or different careers, talk to them, what's it all about? That might be something there that you can use in your book. Or at least you'll know, okay, if I know a policeman, mm -hmm. I could get in touch with them and say, hey, what's that like? I'm writing, you know, a, a mystery book. What's that like? Or a woman. This is, or like, well, in my case, a man, but I remember uh, on one of my um, writing sites, uh, this man wanted to write from a woman's perspective. He said, how do I do that? He said, well, you talk to a woman. What's that like? You know, you get inside their head. And, uh, you know, with me writing about Tom Thompson, I had to know him a lot. I had to know about him because, of course, his thinking is different than yours. Sure. And I think you have to have empathy, too, for other people for their feelings and mm -hmm. try to imagine, you know, what would this person do? Like, it wouldn't mm -hmm. be what I would do, but this mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. will do something that, that I would not. And this is an interesting process. When you're writing a character, you might want them to do something, but they won't do it. Which is <laughs> kind of interesting because it doesn't feel right. You know it's not right. You, you create a, an entire character outline of a person and you have it in your head. And this person's not going to do it. And if that's the case, you have to let it go because it's not going to ring true for your reader. So you have to let it go no matter how good it is. It's what they call kill your darling. You know, that good bit of writing is not going to fit into the story. So let it go. And once you let it go, things open up again, you know, to the right path. So, so it's an interesting process. So you really have to kind of let go of your ego in all of this don't you and and let the story flow because it kind of, it sounds like it kind of has you do the work mm -hmm. you do your research 
and then it starts to flow. Yes, yes. And it it hangs together. Yes. And it really does. Yeah, very uh, organically. And that's how I write too, I think organically. Some people like to, you know, plan everything out. And if that works for you, then that's fine. But for me, I know, uh, you know, who my characters are. I know what my situation is going to be. But I don't always know how the story is going to end. Yeah. You know, yeah. I certainly didn't in, in Gifted Alone. Um, you know, I, I didn't get to the end until I figured out how it was going to end up. Um, so, yes, that is really interesting. And, yes, in one aspect, the story does flow and you have to let it. But at the same time, it's hard work to let it flow. People go into writing think, oh, I write, write a book. Well, what really bothers me a lot is that, you know, you see this advertisement all the time, write a book in, I don't know, three months. And I said, what? How <laughs> <laughs> do possibly do that? It takes me four years to write a book. But mm. then, you know, there's a lot of research. And, you know, I, I'm certainly not at it eight hours a day. But, right. you know, two, three, four hours a day, five days a week. And, and you know, and sometimes it does not flow. Sometimes... Mm. What do I do next? Um, yeah, sometimes I get stuck, um, and and then that's when uh, when you get stuck, it's when it's a really good idea to get somebody to read what you've written to give them your feedback, and hopefully somebody who knows um, what what you can do, like what like somebody who's a reader, for example, or you right. know, in my case, it was Don Gilmore. Um, I would certainly trust my son or my daughter with it, um, because and my husband too, for that matter. He's a an avid reader as well. But uh, yeah, I get someone I trust who's a reader who understands how stories are put together to have a look at it and say, "Oh, you thought about this? Oh, this isn't working over there, and maybe that's all you need, just to push mm. it open, you know, and, and get mm. you going again." So, so there are a couple of different things. It sounds like that could kind of stop you one one writers will often talk about writer's block but then there's also you get to a point in the story and it's like okay what do we do next so those are two different things I think yeah 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 so so how do you so it sounds like getting other people's perspective helps you kind of get past okay what's going to happen next Mm -hmm. but what about do you ever get writer's block well, I, I consider that writer's block, the fact that, oh, okay. they, um, you know, when I was writing Gifts of Luna, I got 60 pages in and I was stuck. I consider that writer's block. Okay. There's also this other aspect that you're talking about is, okay, what's the next part of the story? And for me, because I write historical fiction, I've done a lot of research. As I'm researching, I'm taking notes. Mm-hmm. And then from those notes, I go through, I'll go through the notes that I have. Okay. And and then I, I read them over again. So I'm familiarizing myself with the time period or the people mm-hmm. or situations or places. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'll get an image in my head. Oh, that'll make a good um, uh, a good part of the story. So I'll get my index cards out. So we're kind of narrowing it down a little bit. I got my index cards out. And, okay, this, is, this, this part will work for Maggie. This part will work for Tom. This part will work for Claire. And I'll put them in boxes and they'll be organized. So if I'm stuck, I'll go through and say, hmm, okay, maybe I can use that. Other times, and this is amazing to me because this is another battle writers have, sitting down and actually doing the writing. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you can sit down yesterday and mm-hmm. have re- you know done some really good writing, mm-hmm. but then now this is today. Is it going to be the same? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's scary, and this is why writers procrastinate because they're scared to sit down. But you know, every time I actually make myself sit down and do the work, I get something, even if it's mm-hmm. a little something. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. Now, ideally, you want like two or three pages when you when you sit down to write, and that's good. Um, sometimes you might not get that, and you have to tell yourself, "That's good. I took a step forward here." Mm-hmm. So, but sometimes something else takes over. Um, sometimes the images just come to you. Like mm. often, what I do when I sit down, I will go back and read the last few pages or the last chapter just to get myself back in the story. Mm-hmm. Then something might come up, mm-hmm. and then um, and what I, and something else that is really important. When I'm done for the day, I'll think, okay, what's going to happen now? And if something comes to my head, I'll just type it in so it's there tomorrow when I sit down. Just very brief, rough notes, mm-hmm. even in point form, just so it refreshes my memory. I might not get to it the next day, but it's there, right. and and I have it again. Something to prompt me to move forward right and um I would think that when your mind is opened that stuff can just pop in at any time absolutely yes that's you know there have it's very rare um I've had times when I feel like someone is speaking through me and typing Mm. and I'm at a very um heightened sense of awareness and it's a little scary mm. and I think our creative people are not used to that I mean, maybe some are I can't I can't speak for everyone but I certainly am not ready for that like <laughs> I can't believe it is happening how long is this going to last I want to hold on to this or maybe I don't want to hold on to this because it's a little scary you know it's just a, a sense of some divine intervention yeah. happening there, you know. That's not something that happens every day, but uh, but it's pretty amazing. That's um, that's that's great. There's a story, and you know, I can't remember who the writer was, but she told a story about how she knew when an idea was coming. She could just sense it, mm-hmm. and if she was out in her garden, she'd have to leave what she was doing, run into the house grab mm-hmm. a pen and start writing and mm-hmm. she'd get the idea down and she said if she didn't do that she would know that the idea would go past her and yes, somebody yes. else would get it yes somebody else would catch it Absolutely, so it's yes. as if there are these you know all of these ideas in the universe and some of them we catch and some of them someone else catches but but they're there and it's being open and aware and ready. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, whether you're a yeah. writer or you're creating something that mm-hmm. there's, there's the idea and um, you know, your sense of it's coming from, you know, divine mm-hmm. intervention or the universal energy or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's there and, and it's yeah. a gift. It's like, Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. And you hear about writers that, you know, they, they write whole tomes that way, like the Course yeah. in Miracles or, or mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. even I think J.K. Rowling was just kind of like, whoo, this story just came out of her, I think, eight books? <laughs> Holy smokes. 
So yeah. Jillian, how do, where do you get your ideas for your books? Where do they come from? Okay, like, as you were talking about writing ideas that come to you, uh, one of the first things I learned uh, when I was taking a writing course is have an idea folder. So if you see something in a newspaper or magazine, um, you put it there. And actually, that's um, that's how I got the uh, idea for my first book, uh, River of the Stick Wavers. I was reading... Um, an obituary of all things in the Globe and Mail yeah. about this woman who was, uh, she was in her 80s and she was never married. She mm -hmm. was a, a teacher. And every summer she would go out all by herself to this cottage on an island and spend the summer. I thought, oh my God, I want to be that woman. Who is she? <laughs> I wanted to know about her. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's who I wrote about in my first book. Cool. And, um, and then, uh, you know, when I was coming to the end of that book, the, oh, well, in this book, in that, in that first book, River of the Stick Wavers, there's a character uh, named um, Margaret, uh, Maggie Harrison, and she, she was married, and she was an artist, and she would be in her 70s. And then one day, um, my son was very familiar with my book, because he does, you know, all my editing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, so he came to me with an image of this young woman, 18 years old. She's standing on the dock and she's painting on an easel. And he said, this is Maggie. Huh. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have to write this her story now. <laughs> I was very lucky that they came to me before I was even finished my first book. Huh. And um, so, you know, like I put these things away and, and they're there when I'm ready for them. But... Um, but what I had to do with her, I had to take her, like my first book was set in 1963 when we first meet Maggie at, mm -hmm. at uh, 70. I had to take her back to when she was 18, which would bring us to 1911. Wow, my uh, goodness, like what do I know about 1911? Yeah. So, uh, so I was wondering, what was I getting myself into? And my son <laughs> said, well, you're not going to do it because it's hard. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> no, I have to do it, right? And so I did, and I'm glad I did. And it was it wasn't easy because there's a there's um, an element of trust. I think mm. um, you have to trust that all these pieces are going to somehow all come together. All this research that you do, these um, character outlines that you do, and the idea that somehow it's all going to put together. And you know what? It does. Mm. It really does. So you have to trust. Okay, yes, it's hard now. Just keep going. Go to the next level and it does come together and i'm very proud of, of gift of the loon um yes it's really uh, quite an exciting process um yeah did i answer your entire question there? yeah 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 and, and what i what it's so there are a couple of things that are so interesting one is that you have an idea folder which i think I think that's a brilliant, a brilliant because I, what, for my podcast, I have the same thing. I have an idea folder and I mm -hmm. throw names in and I throw topics in and whatever. And um, even though some of them I may not use, they, they stimulate something else, like something else can come up out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of like a vision board almost where you're putting everything out there and, and more develops from it. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I, I love I love that idea. But I think the other thing that you've said too earlier on is that how important it is just to read because there's so much out there that's so interesting. And, mm -hmm. and just to get 
get your mind around how to use words even because mm -hmm. words are so interesting yes um it just brings to mind uh, something i was told very early in the writing process is um to decide what kind of writing you're going to do mm -hmm. it could be romance mystery historical fiction and stick with it and get to know it well that makes sense right right but yeah it's, but it doesn't have to be that way you can write you can change all the time look at Mary Bradway all the kinds of books that she's written all the different kinds of genres I mean she started out as a poet and then she started writing books and then mm -hmm. she she's written like you know comic books and 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 apparently one of her books was turned into a ballet um hmm. Matt Adam, I think, was turned into a ballet just recently. Mm -hmm. So don't limit yourself. If if your passion is to to write something that's not in your genre, then do it. Like I would love to write a, a travel story, mm -hmm. like to you know travel Canada, and um, and write write about it. I think that would be really exciting. I've always wanted to see Canada. Uh, I know whenever I take a holiday, when, when I'm going to. England in September in Scotland. I'll be taking my journal with me and writing everything down. You never know. I might use it sometime. You know? That's right. And actually, yeah, and I think you know this too. Part of the reason I'm going, um, I'm going to Scotland in the late district. The late district is where my next book is going to be set. So I want to go to the place uh, called Keswick in uh, the Lake District. And I want to see Castle Rick Stone Circle that's going to be part of my book. I want to walk around to Wentwater, which is not far from Keswick, and know what that feels like. Um, yeah, exactly what it feels like. Like I can read books about other people's journeys, but right. it won't be me doing it, won't be me experiencing it, because I like to get inside what I'm writing, whether it's a person or the place. Mm -hmm. And when in talking about place, um, I think both of my books that I've written are both my first two books were set in Canada. Mm -hmm. And I, Canada is such a beautiful, beautiful, rugged country. And I think the country, the landscape, plays almost a character in my books because um, it shapes the, the people who are in that landscape. And um, and you know, not, and I know in my first book I talked about some of the history of the French River where that book mm -hmm. took place. So you know, it it, it educates, well, informs. I hate to say educate, inform. Well, informs the story, it informs the reader, and informs the character as well. I think so. Yeah, I think setting. I just love writing about setting. So for me, yeah, I have to I have to go and know what it feels like, what it smells like, what will I see. Um, how hard will it be to get there? Um, I don't know. Just well, it just really gonna, helps. You're you're gonna have lots of fun uh, roaming around the Lake District in September. Yes, <laughs> yes you, you've been there yourself. Yes, yes. Uh, very, very lovely. Very lovely. Uh, and and we're actually we're heading to Ireland in um, in May. Now mm. we have to go to Ireland because I mean there are lots of stories there. I'm sure that. That could emerge. Yes. Lovely. Yes, yeah, so it's funny because I'm very attracted to books that are set in Ireland. There's sort of a, a mystical, magical thing about Ireland. Yes. That sounds really interesting. Yes. Yeah. I thought about seeing if I could get over there because it's um, from where I'm going to be, I, I'm going to end up in Morecambe where my cousin lives. Mm -hmm. And um, you can drive to um, 
a dock where you take your ferry over to Ireland. I just That's not right. sure about the timing and that, but I well, thought, it's, oh, it's, not, it's not it's not very far away. Yeah, to take the ferry, so it's a it's a fairly easy a journey across. Mm -hmm. um, and the other option is you can easily fly by Ryanair for like under fifty dollars from Manchester mm. or Liverpool to um, ah. to Dublin or to Belfast. Yeah very mm. very easy to fly over that's good to know because manchester is only an hour away from where i'm going to end up and walk them okay there you mm. go there you go there's there's mm. another gathering of information <laughs> 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 but it's fun you know, you know, I, and, yeah go I'm ahead sorry. no go ahead. No, i was just going to say um you know being a writer for me isn't just about, I mean, I love the writing process, but I've met so many amazing people, mm. you, for example, and um, and I've got to, to go to all these wonderful different places, and I've learned so much through the research, yes. things that interest me, I've expanded my knowledge, mm -hmm. and um, so yeah, it's, it's, a wonderful, um, it's a wonderful ride. I'm just really enjoying it, and I don't want it to ever end. I'll, I'll die with a, a pen in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Something you said that I think really um, I want to emphasize is that there's not one size that fits all for writers. Right. That everyone has a different, certainly a different style, but also a different way of going about writing. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, um, you know, people might take a writing course and they think, oh, this isn't for me, but it might not be the right writing course. And I mm -hmm, think that, mm -hmm. you know, if you have that desire to really explore different ways of, of writing and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. different approaches to writing, I know my sister wrote a book and, and her book is basically when she was raising her kids every day, she kept a journal because she thought, I'll never remember all of this stuff. <laughs> so she would write every day, every day, every day. And so her book is really mm. kind of a, a history of raising her kids and the lessons learned and uh, mm -hmm. the interactions mm -hmm. and the formation of character of her children. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Uh, you know, keeping journals, that's one way. And, and you talk about when you travel, you keep a journal. So it's really... Um, observing life you know I always come back to awareness because it's all about paying attention to what's going on isn't it you know I'm sorry what was that it's always about paying attention to what's going on that you want to be aware of what's going on around you yeah, yeah. and I think you know it sounds like you're just very attuned to wherever you are you're noticing what mm -hmm. what's going on so yeah that's interesting too um the, the noticing part, um, years ago when I, I, I've taken our courses on and off over the years, and I remember the first time I started taking them, one of the things I became aware of that I was more aware of my surroundings. You know, I take the kids out for a walk. I say, oh, look at that beautiful um, clouds up there and the way the sun's shining through. Or I go out in the wintertime where you think everything was there and you would find beauty there because they're looking. So I think the art actually trained me to to be more observant about my surroundings. Interesting. So that was helpful. And getting back to you talking about um, different approaches to being a writer. Sure, like, uh, like you write, 
not uh, every writing course you take will be the right one. And maybe you can't take a writing course. Maybe you don't have the time, maybe you don't have the money, but don't stop writing. Um, just a lot of people are writing the memoirs um, because mm -hmm. they want to leave something behind for their children. And mm -hmm. I think that's really wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just, just keep writing it. Um, and then there's so many opportunities nowadays to publish what you've written. Right. And to self-publish. Um, so yeah, I can go to it. I think, um, you know, a really big thing about writing, at least for me, is being able to express yourself in mm. some way. Like I generally write about things that are important to me mm -hmm. in a way I've expressed myself. Like my first book was about a woman who just lost her husband mm. and she didn't know who she was without him and that's this book is how is she figuring that out well that's interesting to me like mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. changes in your life mm -hmm. and now she's a woman alone she, mm -hmm. she she wants to do more like said in the 60s and you know again women were held back they were limited to what they could do you know and um so she'd been fighting that all her married life so now she wants to to push those boundaries same with Gifts of the Loon. A woman in 1911 who wants to be an artist, yes, there were some out there, but not a lot. And it certainly wasn't encouraged. So she's on her own. You know, she got to mm -hmm. be, um, you know, a different kind of person. But the question I was asking there in Gift of the Loon is how do you define success? Mm, oh, and which is in my biography, that's what I've been trying to figure out. Is it about making money? Is it about being well-known? These things are ideal, but if that's all it's about, then you're going to be disappoint possibly disappointed. Yeah. And so I had to redefine what it meant to me. And for me, I'm excited about writing. I'm not going to give it up because I'm not making a lot of money. Right. I do this because I have to. So, you know, I read, so yes, redefine your own success. Right. And Something very important to trust your own instincts. Yeah. Like if I have anything about writing that I do not like, mm -hmm. is marketing. Right. So, um, <laughs> particularly online. And we have talked about this before. But what I'm finding is there are other ways that I do enjoy that I like to market. Yeah. It was, you know, joining Link Ladies. Yes. Um, that they're a networking group. And, you know, I met you through, through the Link Network and, um, um, oh, and I met two other ladies, as you know, where we're starting a, a women's retreat together. Mm -hmm. So doing the women's retreat, it's about women. It's about women pushing boundaries again, ties in really well with my book. Yes. So those are the things I like to do. I like to speak. Mm -hmm. so, so find the things that you like to do. Don't, you know, like the experts will tell you, you have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. No, you don't. And it took me years to let that go. Trust your own instinct. If it's not working, you're not going to do well at it. If you're not That's happy right. doing it. That's do right. the things that you're good at and focus on that. I mean, everybody's online trying to, to be found. Yes. Well, if they don't know who you are, they're not going to find you. Yeah. yeah. You know, to find a, find a ways to, you know, be known in your community, for example. Yeah. You know, so... That's, you know, that, that's a wonderful opportunity you've given me here today, just uh, mm -hmm. find my community. And, you know, I'm excited about that. It's wonderful. It's another step. 
That's right. A step in the right direction. That's right. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, mm -hmm. and you know, I think the um, people who put themselves out as experts that a certain thing will work, it worked for them. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. It's when when we engage in something with another expert to realize that what worked for them may not work completely for us okay. and to be able to to take what will work and leave behind what won't work and that's where you say okay trust your instincts and your intuition that mm, this fits but this doesn't and, mm -hmm. and a little bit more discerning about the kinds of things that that we take on and really knowing yourself in terms of what works absolutely yes yes yeah. i was thinking that too yes you have to know yourself mm -hmm. um that's when i published my first book i went with um, a company in uh, british columbia called freezing pro mm -hmm. and uh, oh they were wonderful and, mm -hmm. and i thought um yes i was paying a lot of money for them to help me publish my book but i was getting education at the same time right. so i felt i was paying for that as well and at the end of um, the actual publishing of the book, they um, sent a whole bunch of information about how to market. And there were pages and pages and pages of stuff. And I said, I can't do all this. Right. You know, and I think that's a common refrain for writers. Like, you know, if you have the money, you can pay somebody to do all the marketing for you because it's another job all on its own. That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, so I, I decided, yeah, to pick and choose what I wanted to do. And at that time, um, I started a, a website mm -hmm. and, um, you know, wrote, wrote posts. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, you know, people weren't buying them because they don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of money on that. I had it for a number of years. So when my website started to break down, I thought I had to let that go. And I started a blog instead. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, it has posts on it, but now I, I think, it was, I looked at it as an opportunity to start over. I'm a different person than I was when I started that. Sure. So now I was able to narrow down my focus. Instead of opening up to five topics I was going to write about, I've narrowed it down to two, writing and the woman's journey. So those are the things I wrote about because that is that is who I am. And I, it's taken time to discover that. And, and those are things I like to write about. And when I write about them, it's like when you're a teacher. When you teach something, it becomes more embedded in your mind. That's right. In your brain. And so you're better able to share it with people. So that's what the writing uh, the writing process does. And writing posts is really helpful. You know, if uh, a quote comes up or something, I'm like, hmm, what does that mean to me? And then I'll mm -hmm. start to think about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because if it resonated with me, it's going to resonate with other people. So I want to dig into that a little bit more. And that, those are the kind of things I write about. So so where would people find your blog? Um, I'm at jillianandrewsauthor.blogspot.com. Okay, great. So we'll include that when we when we post this. Okay. And people will be able to to read your blog. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So at this point, you said you were going to read a passage. Would you read from right. your okay. book? All right. I'm reading from Gift of the Loon. Beautiful. This is my second the second novel. That painting there is a painting done by Tom Thompson, the artist. That I was telling you about, and wow. he's a character in this book, and it was really ideal to get a picture of his. He really did portraits. He's mostly a landscape artist, mm 
Yes. But the fact that he did this, he must have done it for me, right? <laughs> That's right. Because I've not seen any of his work with a person in it. That's great. Yes. Yeah. And it's perfect. I like that's Maggie. And then this is the image I had of her, actually. I tried to paint my own image of Maggie uh -huh. that, and uh -huh. she had a braid like that. Isn't that huh. amazing? And she's got this long braid and she has the right clothes on for the time period. And this I was taken that. at Canoe Lake where Tom Thompson um, used to spend his summers uh, every year where he used to paint Canoe Lake and Algonquin Park. Cool. So the passage I'm going to read to you takes place in 1915 mm -hmm. in Algonquin Park. And Tom Thompson and Maggie are canoeing together for um, three weeks mm -hmm. and painting. So I just, I'm going to read this little passage to you. And then I'm going to tell you what, what this passage tells you about these people. Today we're off to McGarvey Lake. But first, we'll have to tackle a half-mile portage from Little Coon Lake to Whatnot Lake, followed by a shorter portage to Whatnot into McGarvey. Seems straightforward enough. There, I actually see it for myself. That looks really steep, I say, of the Coon Lake portage. I guess I don't call it double devil staircase for nothing. Tom walks up the trail to get a sense of what lies ahead. From where I stand, it seems to wind this way and that, with trees on both sides and rocks that jut out of the ground into the most inconvenient places. If we take our time, we should be all right, Tom says when he gets back. He then hoists the canoe onto his shoulders and begins the difficult trek. Are you sure I can help with that canoe, I ask? It'll be easier if I handle it alone. I rush to gather what other supplies I can and follow behind at a safe distance. There are places on the trail where the turns are sharp, and I worry that Tom won't be able to manage. And just like that, Tom scrapes the stern of the canoe against the tree, which throws him off balance for a split second. Are you okay? That was quite a bang. I'm fine, he manages, as he quickly retrieves his balance and adjusts the canoe back into place and keeps going. Each step Tom makes from here on in is measured and balanced. But he gets the job done one step at a time. Just when I think he's going to make it, I hear a thud. And everything happens at once. He stumbles and falls to his knees. Somehow he manages to shove the canoe sideways. It slides between two trees who fall in debris, bounces off another tree, and careens the rest of the way down the hill before it comes to a stop. Oh my God, I rush over and sink to my knees. His pant leg is ripped and blood is seeping through an, at an alarming rate. I yank off my pack and rummage through my things for the first aid kit. Where is that damn thing, I say, my hands visibly shaky. I start tossing things about in my haste. Thank God, here it is. I fumble with the lid of the metal container. When it finally gives, everything tumbles to the ground. I shuffle through the stuff looking for some gauze to stanch the flow of blood. When I finally find it, I press it down firmly on the wound. Christ, woman, that hurts like hell. <laughs> I just knew the portage would be the death of you. No wonder they call it double devil staircase. It's twice as, twice as bad as its namesake. Not as bad as far as your ministrations, he complains. This shouldn't have happened. If you would let me help you. But no, you have to be Mr. Tough Guy who has to do everything himself. I dab at the wound. The bleeding has slowed down some. I grab the alcohol and apply it directly to his knee. Tom hisses. Did I hurt you? You sure didn't make it any better. 
If I were you, I wouldn't be giving the one person around who can help you any sack. Good point. I wish we had some honey, but we left it out back at the camp. Honey, are you planning to eat me then? I grin. Now's the moment. No. But being a doctor's daughter, I have learned a few things. I place a new piece of gauze over the wound and begin to bandage it. Are you planning to tell me about it? I secure the bandage with a knot and place both hands on either side of his leg. Honey helps promote the healing and kills germs. I look around. Now what? Now we press on. Have you lost your mind? We can't stay here. No, I don't suppose we can. My gaze rests on the canoe near the bottom of the staircase. At least the canoe's headed in the right direction. I should be able to drag it back into the river, I say. You're not bloody dragging my new canoe, Tom Hollers. It's a bit late to worry about damage, I say. The only way I can get you back to camp to tend to you properly is to drag it into the river. Tom sighs. What if we carry it together? Hmm, I say doubtfully. Are you sure you can manage it with that bad knee? As long as you obey my commands with our own backpack, that might be a little hard. <laughs> so what is this telling you? This is this sound like an old married couple. They're bouncing off each other, saying what they want to say. And here it is, 1915, and she's confidently speaking up for herself. We get a sense that she doesn't put up with any nonsense from anyone. It also tells you that they're both adventurers. They're going out into Algonquin Park, they're camping for three weeks at a time. There are wolves out there, there are bears out there, snakes, mm -hmm. and uh, and yet they're out there doing it. So, they, so it gives you an idea like um, character development through the dialogue as well and how they're speaking to each other. So that's what that little passage can can give you and tells you about. Well, and it's also your description of the uh, the the landscape was very clear because I could just imagine, I could just see it. So excellent, you know, excellent. you you talk about how important that is for you in mm. terms of the landscape taking on character, and and that's mm -hmm. exactly what happened in that uh, passage. That's wonderful. I'm so glad. You know, it's funny because when I first when I wrote my first book. I had um, my girlfriend's daughter was editing at the time and I asked her to read it. Mm -hmm. And she was the one who encouraged me to spend more time describing things. And then mm -hmm. I found when I started doing that, I actually liked it. I enjoyed doing it. I felt like I was really getting into the into the story, into the landscape and you know where the, the studying was taking place. So I've made that uh, you know, a big part of all my books that I write. That's why it's so important to go there yeah. and just feel it and experience what, what it is. Yeah, it's exciting. So, so Jillian, <laughs> do you do you ever have young writers contact you or have you coached writers yourself? Um, a little bit. Um, I know um, I did when I did um, uh, a flow retreat uh, a few years ago, um, part of what I did was your writing you know, some journaling and stuff like that. And and I met a, a writer there. And um, Christina Rustica, I think her name is. Anyway, um, she was she was writing and she had talked about wanting to write a book and she was nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, well, you know, if you ever need help, let me know. Mm -hmm. And I never thought I'd ever hear from her. Mm -hmm. But a year later, I got a message from her. Mm -hmm. But she was she was in a place now where she was ready to do something about it. She said, mm -hmm. "Would you read what I wrote?" Mm 
-hmm. And so I did. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I gave her some pointers. And, and mostly what she needed was, you know, how to arrange them. Right. And then when, you know, when we talked, and um, and I think I gave her some encouragement too. She got so excited. She went home right away and started changing it all around. And this is in the evening. She was so excited about it. And she went on to write a book. Fantastic. And again, with Freeze and Press, she was nervous about who do I get to publish this? And mm -hmm. my experience with Freeze and Press have been really good. And so mm -hmm. I encouraged her to go there. And she did. She became one of the top writers. And now she's Amazing. offering courses for people. Like she writes about um, what her life was like, um, you know, growing up and the struggles that she went through. And, uh, you know, she was out on her own at a very early stage. And I think that she had learned and mm -hmm. uh, she was very well. So she, she created a course out of that. And she'd been offering it to people and, and doing very well for herself. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, that wasn't um, fiction writing. I mean, because every genre is a little different, but I right. could at least give her my thoughts. Yes. And it really helped. In fact, um, I mentioned in her book after she wrote it, how I helped her, which is kind of nice. Cool. Good. Good. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Um, well, I know, like at Link, I've had a couple of ladies mentioned I want to write a book and mm -hmm. memoir, something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can think everybody has a story in them, right? That's right. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so I'm starting to think about hmm, maybe I could be doing something, you know, mm -hmm. to get these ladies on their way. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, great. You know, <laughs> Great. Well, Jillian, it's been a pleasure to have mm -hmm. you uh, on my program today. You've given us and me a lot to think about. And I've certainly learned a lot more about the process of writing and also the passion, because I see the passion. Uh, it's, such, it's so much a part of who you are being a writer. Thank you. That's thank very you. cool. Um, and we will post your information on the page so people will be able to find you and they'll be able to read your blog and um, you will keep us posted as to any events. Do you have any um, upcoming events? I think you have a retreat coming up. Yes, yes, uh, I do. Um, the retreat is uh, a women's weekend retreat, and it's going to be May the 6th and 7th, and it will be in Pews, which is not far away mm -hmm. uh, for people in Windsor, Leamington, Chatham, Tilbury area. And it's going to be in three parts. Mm -hmm. It's going to be... I'm going to be doing the writing. So you get three workshops for writing. You'll be answering the question, who am I? Mm -hmm. Be a vision board. Mm -hmm. You're going to be answering the question, what do I want? Mm -hmm. And the art, how am I going to express this? Cool. So that, that's pretty amazing. And um, so three workshops in one weekend. And the, the retreat is called Imagine. Imagine. So imagining, we'll be imagining a new life for, for ourselves. To this Great. retreat. So, my okay. calendars, information is coming out very soon. Okay, great. Um, and I'll post that as well on the on the podcast when that's available. Very good. Well, thank you again, Julian. Oh, thank you. This wonderful was wonderful. To have you. you made it so easy. Thank you, oh Crystal. <laughs> and thank you to all of my listeners. I hope you will join me next time as I continue to explore the journey to inner wisdom. And you can go to my website, journeytoinnerwisdom.ca and sign up for my newsletter and see what else I have going on.